0: Hello everyone, welcome to Titan Alumni Talks, a weekly podcast where we talk to alumni about their experiences at Cal State Fullerton. For this week's episode, we have Darren Jones, who is the Executive Director of Enterprise Technology at Walt Disney Studio. He is also the President-Elect of Communications and Marketing at the Alumni Board of Directors. Darren graduated with a Bachelor's in Finance from Cal State Fullerton in 1991 and a minor in English Literature. Stay tuned to listen to his experiences at Cal State Fullerton, along with how his career path changed from finance to technology. If you would like to listen to this episode and all future episodes, head on over to titanradio.org and listen to them live on Mondays and Thursdays at 10 a.m. Or you can head to our YouTube channel at CSUF Alumni. Thank you, Darren, for joining us today. Yeah,
1: my pleasure. Um, Doing it from home like we're all doing these days. So it's an honor to be with you.
0: To begin with, tell us a little bit about what you do. First, you work at Disney, and the second, you also are on the board of directors for the Alumni Association.
1: Yeah, so at Disney, Disney is organized into a variety of business units. I'm in corporate. Um, And in corporate, you would have your typical corporate functions that serve the whole company, you know, the finance, the HR, uh, legal. Um, I'm in technology. I'm one of the, the leaders in the enterprise technology organization that services all of Disney uh executive director of client engagement and so my teams are embedded with the businesses of the walt disney company and our job is to ensure that the technology that's needed from us is being delivered effectively to our businesses so they can run theme parks or television shows or make motion pictures or broadcast live sports and so uh that's what i do i've been at disney 13 years now Uh, You could go way back and rewind 35 years ago uh, when I was a Jungle Cruise skipper at Disneyland while I was a freshman and sophomore at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, So I have a long history at Disney, 13 years as a professional, a couple years for fun way back when I was an early Titan, uh, and then long gaps in between where I did a lot of other things with a lot of other different companies.
0: Was Disney like an end goal for you? Did you just start working there and think, "Mm, maybe this is something I want to do (laughs) professionally?
1: It was an end goal. If you were to go back to um, my yearbook from um, 1986, Yucca Valley High School, where I grew up in the high deserts above Yucca Valley, um, right, they often ask seniors, what do you, you know, where will you be 10 years from now? And in my yearbook, it said 10 years from now, I'll be the president of Disneyland. <laughs> um, so I'm not the president of Disneyland, but um, I do have an office location at Disneyland that I work from during normal times periodically. Most of my days are out at the studio lot uh, in Burbank. And uh, you know, it was a goal. And I would say I've achieved it in a different way. Uh, and certainly, by the way, no one can graduate high school and be the president of Disneyland or Walt Disney World or the studios in 10 years. I don't know what I was thinking when I put that answer down, but Disney was a goal. But, um, yeah, I definitely remember a, a Cal State Fullerton that, you know, had um, less density. Mahalo was really, you know, it's a transformative building. And it's it's amazing when we just went from the Cal State Fullerton School of Business to the Mahalo School of Business after I had graduated. But I love that you know we have a marquee, a marquee building that the school can call home. Um, and you know that if you look at the uh, performing arts, right? We now you know a marquee performing arts facility. We've developed some marquee facilities over the years. I miss the green space. I miss where the elephant races were held. But it's important that we continue to get the kind of facilities that make uh, you know everything the Titans need you know come to reality.
0: Mm-hmm. Were the elephant races happening back then?
1: Yeah, I was at the tail end of it. Uh, so yeah, I did actually see elephant races. Um, you can now look back and say it probably wasn't super humane, which is probably why, like why live traveling zoos and things like that have largely started to disappear. Uh, but it was a pretty amazing tradition. In fact, when I got there in 1986, the Olympics, uh, you know, uh, uh, Olympic events had occurred at Kowskip Fullerton two years before in 1984. And so on the pavement of the campus when I got there two years after the 84 Olympics, you could still see the 84 Olympics symbols that had been painted onto the sidewalks, particularly around the gym. And uh, so it was kind of interesting, right? I was there in in some interesting transition times coming off the Olympics, um, you know, Cal State Fullerton had really, you know, made a name for itself in baseball and had, uh, you know, produced, started to produce some really great basketball players. When I was there, Cedric Zabalos was there, for example, right, made his way very well into the NBA. And the school was, you know, in a sense on the rise. It was was a cool time to to be there in in the mid eighties.
0: The campus is transforming and you're still a part of it since you're on the Alumni Board of Directors. So tell me a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I'm the incoming president, so I will uh, be taking the reins soon. Uh, And, you know, really our job at the Alumni Association is to connect the nearly 300,000 Titan alumni that, um, you know, we're all very proud of and to connect them to the university. And we're going through a bit of a transformation that way. But here's the strength of, of our alumni base. 80% 80% of our alumni, of our almost 300,000 alumni, live within 100 miles of the campus. In other words, it's very, very feasible for our alumni to come be a part of Homecoming, Night of the pachyderm Concert Under the Stars, to come and volunteer, or as alumni speak to classes, or to be a mentor. And so what we're really trying to do is gear the Alumni Association, not only for the events that are fun and, and build you know, um, memories, but it's also to really make sure that our alumni know how they can still be of service or be of service to the current cohort of about 40,000 active students. Um, And so we're really pivoting uh, the Alumni Association over the next couple of years to provide a lot of on-campus services and to connect the wisdom of the 300,000 Titans out there that have come before the current generation uh, to provide services, you know, help select a major, help to prepare for interviews, how do you find an internship, right? The economy right now is hurting and will hurt, you know, probably for several years. So how can the alumni help Titans still find their path forward in a difficult economy? Many of us graduated in difficult economies. I graduated in 91, we were in a recession then. uh, And a lot of us had to kind of accept maybe a little bit less than our dreams initially. Um, But you know, one thing Titans have is perseverance and, and grit. And if you keep that going, when the economy starts to restore, Titans are some of the first that get back out there and really start to help to, you know, bring things back, bring innovation, bring passion. So, you know, we're really just, we have a great board. We have great professional leadership, you know, the professional staff of the Element Association. It's just our, our hope that over the next few years, we can just be profoundly important to current students, but still hold those marquee events that bring Titans of all generations together.
0: Mm-hmm. So we have that wisdom from alumni who are, and you get every walks of field with so many alumni from Cal State Fullerton, you're bound to find someone who has had a similar experience to you or a Mm -hmm. couple that have hit the strong points of what you're going through. So it's great to have that advice and especially how you're saying that we're gonna, we might hit a recession now and then there are alumni who graduated in uh, 2008, they graduated in 1991. So all these key areas where if we're going through it right now, then maybe we could get that advice from them.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, we've had a couple of generations of titans that have been born uh, and graduate. I'm sorry, graduated in these times. You, you can even go back though. You know, the the crop of titans that graduated about a decade before me, uh, thereabouts, or or maybe we're at Cal State in a decade before I joined as a freshman, in 1986. There was also other turmoil, right? The Vietnam War was ending at that time, and um, and then of course we we had you know Desert Storm and things like that, right, so there is, in a sense, there's always something in our lives that presents the possibility of destruction, you know, war, economic calamity, um, this, a pandemic, you know, all of us, I mean, there's so many of us, right, and the school's been around since 1957, there's a lot of wisdom out there from, from fellow Titans, and so you bring up a great point, you know, it, it's up for us, the Titans of uh, now, Um, That came, you know, generations uh, from those that are there now. I'm sorry, Uh, we owe them a lot to try to help um, help them find and develop their path forward. So we're going to do it. That's one of the main goals I have for the alumni association.
0: And it's a domino effect where if we get assisted by the alumni, then the further generations, you know, maybe in the next 20, 30 years, we can also give back to our association.
1: You've nailed it. In fact, in our strategic plan, which we updated six months ago, one of our pillars is to try to create really easy ways for titans to um, give back.
0: When was it where you decided that you should give back to the Alumni Association by joining the Board of Directors?
1: Well, um, yeah, Jordi Pabletti, who is also on the board, uh, and I cross circles. He runs a a number of media ventures, one of which covers the Walt Disney Company. and So I started to kind of follow him, and um, through various ways, at one point he reached out to me and wanted to see if I could maybe host uh, some Titans over at the Disney studio, do a little walking tour. And, and I met wonderful people associated to the alumni association, wonderful alumni. And uh, shortly thereafter, you know, Jordy kind of started to probe and said, well, you know, you, you've got an interesting career. I was very involved when I was a student. I mean, hyper involved. And, um, you know, he just kind of asked, why, why aren't you doing something more formal with the university to kind of uh, you know, contribute and get back and be engaged. And that began the dialogue that ultimately led me um, to be nominated and accepted to join the board of directors. So it was Jordy. <laughs> He's phenomenal at that. And, uh, you know, so he was uh, such a great pathway to, you know, becoming a part of the Alumni Association.
0: And I just, you know,
1: really am thankful for him for opening that pathway for me. Mm-hmm.
0: So, like you mentioned before, and I read up on, you held some student government leadership positions when you were on campus.
1: So, by October, November of 1986, you know, right, I've been on campus a couple months as a freshman, you know, just shortly after graduating high school, and I really wanted to find my tribe, you know, and I I was interested in policy and news and information, and so I started to go to clubs and events, and, you know, at that point, right, you're in GE, you're not around the people that's, you know, are are necessarily studying what you intend to study, and it was, um, I, I forget exactly how, but pretty quickly I became aware of the ASI. They were looking for volunteers. Uh, I volunteered for something or other, I don't even remember all these years later. But what I do remember is how quickly I connected with people that were attracted to being in the student government. People who believed the world could be better, that policy was a part of it, or funding priorities were a part of it. Um, and you know, we, we just all had, such impassioned views on trying to make things in the world great we believe universities were very powerful forms of making the world better and so i just found my tribe 90 120 days from freshman year on and i stayed involved with student government all the way through top level position i ever held was vp of finance um, in 90 and 91 um and that was a really critical period that's when we built the first expansion of the student union uh, right the Building just went through its second expansion not that long ago. But the first expansion added the uh, event center, added a lot of additional meeting space, added more um, student office, uh, uh, sorry, student club offices. And so, uh, you know, I was deeply involved in that planning. How were we going to finance it? Uh, things like that. So it was pretty cool to have, you know, ended my student government years with that kind of role in the student government. But it was a five year journey. I was at Kelsey College in five years. I was involved in student government all five years.
0: So tell me a little bit about your finance bachelors and your minor in English Lit. Where did that passion come from to studying those two fields?
1: Sure. And this is confession time. So I came in really thinking, you know, uh, I was actually going to double bachelor. I was going to double bachelor business and English literature. And my grand plan was I was going to write the next Great American novel or two. But I was going to be very business savvy and like run my own publishing company and all that. right? I was going to combine the two. And then the thing that happened is reality, right? I saw all these folks graduating older than me with English literature degrees, and most of them were not able to do what they envisioned with that degree. And some of them intended, right, to become English teachers, for example, single subject credential high school teacher. Others wanted to move on and become college professors. But most wanted to write, right? They wanted to make a living at writing, and and that wasn't journalistic writing, right? Otherwise, they would have been in the School of Comms. And I looked at this and said, well, you know, I still have this passion for literature, um, but the reality is I'm probably not going to get a career at it. And so, you know, I, I stuck with the business side and I moved my English lit down to a minor so that I could still have exposure to the amazing faculty and the stories, those in the classroom with me and their interpretation of literature and what we were all collectively not only reading, but what we were writing and so it was sort of an admission that there's a reality in college education, right? You just sometimes have to recognize that if you're very fortunate, you don't really care about work, you don't have to pay for your college, and you just want to study whatever the heck you want to study, okay, but most of us need this degree to help to fulfill a lot of our dreams. And so I found a new balance, and I just moved the English down to a minor, and it all worked out great. Um... And that's how it came about. Now, here's where the confession time also comes in. I, I worked finance for the first decade of my career. I liked it. I found out I didn't love it. And so I made a mid career switch about a decade in and actually moved into technology by happen chance, not by design, not by plan. Uh, when I was working on my MBA, um, I was doing a part time MBA program, I was doing consulting work, and somehow, in a crazy way, landed in technology. And boy, am I glad that I did. I love it absolutely love it. So it's interesting, right? Um, you know, I, I chose to stay with finance in college, I worked in it a decade, it was fine, but I didn't wake up in the morning thrilled, whereas in the tech space, I very
0: much did. Mm-hmm. So it seems that you were very malleable and changing based on your circumstances and whatever came at you. Because I know a lot of people, they're stuck, they're just stuck pushing against the wall that won't move. And they just keep pushing, hoping that it won't move one day when you can realize you could walk around it. In multiple occasions, where you decided to change your major into a minor for English lit. And then you also decided that finance maybe wasn't for you and moving to the tech field.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a good trait, you know, there's a, an interesting balance. Everyone finds their own balance between tenacity, like I'm going to achieve my goal exactly as I stated it, and anything that is less than that is a compromise, and I will not compromise on my dreams and my future. It sounds really romantic, right? That's the kind of thing you'd write a novel about, but human lives are different than that. And we live in a society that is not you know, our design, right? We are part of an ecosystem of things that are possible and easy and, and possible but very hard and, and all those shades in between. Um, I, I really encourage people, this is one of the life lessons, you know, a type that's been around a while, you know, really say yes. Say yes to opportunity. That's the most important thing I have ever seen anybody do, whether it's when they're in college, recently graduated, mid-career, Saying yes to opportunity, even opportunity that you're not quite certain is exactly right. But part of life's journey is to live, right? <laughs> not to be in some box and stay in that box and protect your safety, protect your safe space. Part of it is to you know experience everything. And you know one of the joys of living in the United States is how many opportunities you get in any given time. And yet most people, kind of including me when I was younger, frankly, I walked right past opportunity after opportunity after opportunity, because in my head, I had designed what was coming to me, what I was going to achieve, and nothing was going to stop me. And then I, I, I saw some other people who, frankly, I didn't think they had it together. And then I kind of realized, like, wow, they're getting further and faster, further than I'm getting, and they're getting there faster than I could have ever envisioned. And what was different? And when I really dissected what was different. It was just that attitude of yes. Opportunities, including ones that were left, left field, unusual, almost didn't make sense. They said yes to. And if it didn't work out great, they recalibrated a year later and went back in another direction. But they were unafraid to you know, say yes to opportunity. And um, I started to embrace that. And now I very much preach it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> now time for the quick fire questions. Apple Music or Spotify?
1: Ah, uh, well... For me, it's Apple Music, not because necessarily it's a better product, but because when you're in the Apple ecosystem, it's just uh, easier to pick up Apple. So uh, both are great.
0: Cats or dogs?
1: Oh, well, I have both. I have three dogs and four cats, um, but overall, dogs.
0: Um, Okay. Uh, Waffles or pancakes?
1: Uh, Waffles because uh, they hold syrup better in the ridges, and um, I'm a syrup guy.
0: Man, yeah, not a single one that I would choose. <laughs> uh, let's get one more. Your favorite place to nap on campus.
1: Oh, easy. That was the Arboretum. Um, I would go into the Arboretum. There were some benches that had a little bit of sunlight, but we're also sort of, that sunlight was broken up by the trees. Peaceful, quiet nature, great place to collect your thoughts, catch a news, um, And then, you know, you walk right out of the Arboretum, right back into the heart of the campus, and you, you get back to studying or doing a group project. Um, it was. Arboretum for
0: sure. And then I assume that's your favorite place on campus to be? Actually
1: I would say the Titan Student Union okay. is my overall favorite place because I just loved you know the collection of everybody coming in and out and especially as you get past your freshman year and you get to know more people you know you get into that spontaneity of just like hey you know you're running into people and uh, you know you're starting to build your community and, and the student union was the best place to do that.
0: And that was like before all the renovations that happened and now just with the bottom floor the top floor and all the starbucks that are in it and then just the floor that's in it everyone's coming in and out constantly
1: yeah it's become a heck of a hub i love it
0: Mm -hmm. so now we're going to get into some advice let's see uh, students who are thinking of getting a minor but maybe they're not sure if they want to spend an extra year on campus
1: yeah if you're going to get a minor um you have to answer two questions are you doing it for career And in a number of cases, it can make great sense. So for example, let's say you're a marketing major, but so much of marketing is driven by microeconomics, right, price elasticity, those decisions that individuals make at a micro level, an individual level, maybe a family level on what they're gonna spend their money on. I think that's a great pairing, and that's a really good reason to stay an extra year to get an actual benefit academically that will help your career. I wanna be realistic. I don't want people to take on extra debt or delay the beginning of their career. If you're gonna get a minor for personal development, you know, right, kind of like what English literature had become to me with the minor, I'd recommend you do it as an evening class and just take one evening class at a time and have no disruption. So now instead of maybe one extra year to get that minor, maybe you're going three extra years and you're just taking one class a night on a Tuesday or a Thursday or whatever. But I, I think, Uh, If it's related to your career, your marketability, I would stay that extra fifth year and bang it out fast. If you're doing it for personal growth and development, do it as evening classes take longer even than the next year.
0: Students who are in finance, what advice would you give to those students who are maybe uh, deciding where to go, maybe where to get an internship? Yeah,
1: um, you know, it's interesting. Banking has transformed so much. Um, Accounting has transformed. Finance has transformed. Here's the thing. Don't look, in my opinion, don't always look. In fact, don't even look first at proper financial institutions. Every single organization and company needs finance and accounting in order to operate. And so I would really go and focus on that. Go focus on those companies that really need um, that kind of capability and skill to operate manufacturing, technology, science, engineering, real estate, do that.
0: Did you ever think about changing your major?
1: Yeah, finance was always there. So that um, that didn't change. What was interesting is when I went to go get my MBA, which I did up in Michigan, I did it in marketing, uh, which was great. I mean, I loved marketing, no issues there. Uh, like I said, I, I ended up in technology even after all of that. I think during undergrad, no. Um, finance is the major, um, as one of the majors was, was always in the, um, in, the, in, the, in the picture the marketing MBA probably should have not been that I probably should have gone into tech at that time. I just, um, I wasn't brave enough to make such a huge jump at that point, 10 years after graduating. That's why I can kind of give the advice I give now <laughs> about saying yes to the opportunity saying yes to change. Um, Cause I think it delayed me a bit from what I could have done. Uh, I still love my marketing background. I do use it. Um, you know, when, when you are at a leadership level in a, in a, major company like Disney, one of the largest companies on earth, for sure. Um, you use marketing skills to persuade and to build compelling business cases. I mean, marketing is still part of my life, if you will. It's just not my profession, if you will. But um, no, undergrad, no. I, it, it was just the, what I talked about earlier with English literature. Um, I think my MBA was maybe the wrong choice. <laughs>
0: So it's maybe like deciding what fits and what doesn't, or maybe just trying different things out. And if it sticks with you, then maybe it's where your actual passion is. Right. Seven billion people all around the world, we're kind of all stuck at home. So I want to just take advantage and just trying to be as good as you can. There's excuse for nowadays where a lot of times I would hear, I don't have the time. I'm busy with this. I'm busy with that. Most people are stuck at home right now without much too. So.
1: They are. Um... You know, I normally would commute into the studio every day via the Metrolink, right, which is very productive time. I mean, I, I make a quick drive down to – I live here in Fullerton. I make a quick drive down to the Fullerton Metrolink station. I board a train, and the train does the driving for me until I get up to Burbank, and then I quick quickly catch a shuttle and head off to the studio and repeat it in the evening. I've been trained, in a sense, to have that free time every day. But I realize, too, there's a bit of inefficiency in that time, right, because you're coming to train stops, and, you know, people are coming in – sitting down next to you and all that, you get a little distracted. It's kind of interesting. Um, Now I realize, gosh, commuting, even really effective commuting, like I do on the Metrolink, far better than doing the drive. The drive is ridiculously stupid to try to do that as a drive every day. Um, I'm even more efficient now than ever because I have no latency in my day. If I decide, hey, I've got five more minutes between my next conference call, I can quickly go and do a load of laundry or I can quickly actually scan a journal that I wanted to just sort of catch the highlights on. It's amazing how fast and frictionless it is when you work from home. There's a lot of benefits actually on learning. That being said, you can't run global, highly connected, creative, engineering, manufacturing-based organizations from living rooms. Uh, You know, at the end of the day, we have to come back together. So it's important we get past this um, and and get back, right? For example, the scientists that we're counting on to produce the vaccine cannot do that from their living room, right? They need tens of millions of dollars of laboratory research equipment in a safe and controlled environment that has venting and emergency procedures and you know that sort of thing. <laughs> so there's, there's things right now we can do to be very effective at learning and just being efficient while we're, while we're all forced to be at home. There's also plenty of deficiencies as well. You can't make airplanes, you know, Boeing can't make airplanes from people's living rooms, right? They need the factory floor. <laughs> yeah. I also think people, um, you, you've just nailed, right? Idle time, sometimes we need it. Most of the time we don't. We're kind of built to run. Humans are built to move and learn and, and be active. Uh, so you're right. I mean, idle time is kind of weird, right? We, we want to do more than just the idle. I've also learned that it's very effective to just do micro learning, like literally in two or three minutes.
0: It's not that we should take away from meditation or just relaxing and unwinding, but, like you mentioned, we do a lot more than our body kind of needs. Our body is meant to run and there's so much that we can do to be more efficient. So we need to find that balance of taking those breaks and having our time to settle down and binge watching Netflix for four hours a day. There's that sure. intermediary that we kind of need to meet.
1: It's a good time to be alive in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. as sucky as it is with covid
0: <laughs> Just make the best of your situation and that's kind of how life is all the time. Yeah, for sure. So to end it off, what are two bits of advice you would give to Cal State Fullerton students in general?
1: Yeah, number one, uh, be proud of you. I think that that is something that is often overlooked. Um, a lot of people have maybe forgotten what a huge accomplishment it is to be at a world-class university in a rigorous institution. Feel pride in that. Um, and I, I just think that that's it's often overlooked. It's almost a given like, you know, will I belong here or I should be here? And no, actually, I mean, it's an achievement to be a Titan. It's an achievement to make your way through a very rigorous academic process. And as I said, right, we know the the makeup of Cal State and Titans, you know, 60% are first gen, you know, you're creating your own story with you're the pride of your family, but you also don't have the family's advice, right? Cause they haven't gone on that path before you and on and on. So, you know, I, I just want Titans to feel proud of being Titans. Second bit of advice, and we've kind of, you know, gone over it a few times now, and I just want to reiterate it. When you walk onto that campus, your job is not to walk to the classroom or the lab, do what you need to do, and walk out. It is all the other engagements that you have the opportunity to do um, that will actually give you everything that you need. So, uh, again, we've already talked about for many students, right, it's maybe only one thing that they can really get engaged with. But boy, even if it's only one, go all in, do it. You're training yourself not just for having a successful and enjoyable and memorable college experience. You are training yourself in the core essentials of life. I have worked a long, long time now in a lot of different companies. And those that have had the careers that have been the most incredible, the ones that have skyrocketed fastest, have all been people who not only excel at the core work that they're paid to do, they accelerated organizational dynamics, team dynamics and motivation, managing conflict, inspiring. Practice that stuff while you're a Titan at Cal State Fullerton. Don't miss that opportunity.
0: Those are great pieces of advice. And would you like to mention our new Titan Pro Network?
1: Ah, I love the Titan Pro Network, yes. So LinkedIn obviously is a huge environment with millions and millions of people. But uh, at the end of the day, nine out of 10 invites to connect with somebody on LinkedIn will be a no. People will hit the ignore button and they will not connect with you and you will not get an interaction. The Titan Pro Network is just for Titans, current students and alumni. And when you have an interaction in the Titan Pro Network, you're guaranteed to, um, for example, if you reach out to me on LinkedIn, I don't know, maybe I will accept your, you know, your connection and maybe I'll engage, but we're training Titans. That if a, if the connection, the request to connect, um, have a conversation, to get mentoring and advice, if it's coming through the Titan Pro network, you're going to get a response. You're going to get a high quality engagement, and uh, we love the Titan Pro network. And I encourage everybody to to you know spend a little bit of time and help build the network. It's new, by the way. So you know if you go in there and you only see a few hundred people at the moment, don't despair first of all you're going to stand out which is great uh one day this thing will have you know 300,000 people in it and it'll be even harder to you know envision but right now you know jump in connect with fellow titans like myself um and you know um and use the titan pro network it's just for titans
0: and i know we already have well over a thousand alumni who are already a part of it so if you jump in and you want to connect with someone very easily you could find someone who is in your specific field and you could ask any question that you want for advice info um, mentorship, just internships, just anything that you would like, it's up there.
1: Absolutely. And I will tell you, in fact, I have a little spreadsheet of everyone that I've ever had a phone conversation with on the Titan Pro Network. And that's 17 people, 17 conversations um, of at least once, multiple of them have been several conversations, usually a full hour long. I'm in no rush when, you know, as long as someone can accommodate talking to me on the phone or meeting in person on the weekend, the weekdays are rough. Um, I hope I've, you know, been accessible and helpful. And I know plenty of other alumni do the same thing. So um, yeah, keep it going. Let's keep building the Titan Pro Network.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. And it was really great hearing all of the advice and all the experiences that you've had at Cal State Fullerton.
1: Yeah, I'm a proud Titan. um, And I encourage everybody, you know, to join the Alumni Association in your senior year uh, during grad fest. If you've already graduated, um, I would really recommend it as well. We are, we are building one of the absolute best alumni networks in the nation around one of the nation's um, absolute powerhouse schools. Uh, the CSU is the largest university system in the entire world and Cal State Fullerton is the largest of all those campuses. So uh, let's, let's keep building together. We, we have Titan um, DNA and blood in us, we can do amazing things.